Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 316. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez, that is at underscore Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing? I'm good. A little sad, depressed, now that Summer League is over, oh, yeah, and man. I have to wait a whole, I don't know, Two weeks, three weeks before we get some some FIBA action. Well, real ones know the women's World Cup has started, so that's what I'll be watching right now. The world's game, the beautiful game. I guess I should watch that since fucking it's the off season, off season in between off season ball and the NBA. In the WNBA, all my mystics were hit by the fucking Black Plague. Mm. And the Yankees are a steaming pile of dog shit. So maybe I might as well watch some fucking soccer. Don't worry. The Yankees will add a bat at the deadline. And, um, you know. Unless the bat is Shohei Otani, <laughs> don't give a shit. I'm sure it'll be fine. Like, their Horseman's like, we're going to add a bat. And it's actually just Aaron Judge coming back. It's fine. They got a new hitting coach. So I'm sure everything will be easy to fix now. Um, <laughs> Brian Cashman totally knows what he's doing right now. Uh, Brian Cashman, don't come see me in these streets, bro. Just because we went to the same school doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Your worst alumni, some are saying. Um, All right. Well, that was enough baseball talk for (laughs) the season. Uh, All right. Before we get started, to make a few notes. The first being that the Strickland has a YouTube channel. Check that out. You may be watching it right now if you are. Please hit like and subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has an Instagram. That is at the Strict Online on Instagram. Posting all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has merchandise, which you can buy on our website. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles. You name it. We've got it. Check it out. Again, you can find that merchandise on our website. And then finally, the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this podcast that I was every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Amico. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod where I rant and rave about the next even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There is a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Let's come with a variety of additional benefits like listening on our pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, and this would be possible without you. And none of this would be possible without Bet Online, which is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and match reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. 
Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Um, not much has happened in Nixland, uh, but I think it's worth discussing a couple things. Uh, the one major story that occurred this week is Evan Fournier not happy about not playing last season. Um Shocker. Yeah, bas- professional basketball player upset about not playing. Do I think he should have done the tell-all media interview thing in fucking France or whatever fucking place he's at right now? I, no, I don't think so. At the same time, does it surprise me? Not especially. And also, just from my experience from following uh, soccer, European soccer, as we know, we call it, um... All I would say is I don't speak French fluently. I did take French in high school. I cheated very well to get good grades <laughs> in that class. Um, Learn I, the game, podcast listeners. Yeah, don't you don't need unless unless you're <laughs> in like middle school and high school, in which case do your homework, listeners. <laughs> yeah, don't def- end up like us. <laughs> yeah, don't don't forget to do all your work and make sure you double check it and definitely don't copy off anybody ever um like all i know is i don't speak french so i can't say if i listen to the interview i don't know all we get is translations sometimes i think things get lost in translation uh and i would also be curious i didn't watch the interview at all i'd be curious to see what the tenor of his voice was because one thing i've noticed about evan from his time doing interviews over here is he speaks very bluntly. Um, And I can see him giving all the answers he gave very bluntly, but not actually being upset about it more. Just this is the situation. This is how I feel. Okay. Like I think, I think it's more, I would guess it's more, it's less upset. It's upset from the perspective of like, yes, he's a professional basketball player, very decorated and wants to play, but it's more just like, this kind of sucks, right? Like yeah. he's, he's a player. He knows, like, he's not an idiot. He knows why he was benched and he knows the situation in terms of why they're not just waving him, right? Because his contract is valuable, contrary to what uh, some people on the internet think. And that sucks when you're stuck on a team because your contract is valuable, but your actual skills aren't valuable enough to play. So, like, I'm not going to – like, if if this is, this is my guess. This is my guess of what happened. He and the Knicks were like, hey, if y'all are not going to play me, can we try to figure out a way to get me somewhere I might play? And the Knicks were like, cool, we'll definitely give you a real good faith try. We're not just going to dump you or waive you for free because X, Y, and Z, but within the framework of what we consider reasonable, we will try that. They tried that. It didn't work for purposes of this offseason because they didn't swing a trade that required a large salary, which was possibly in the cards. You could put whatever percentage of odds you want on it, but it wasn't. it didn't end up happening. Now that that didn't happen, Fournier is like, damn, this sucks. I have to wait. What options does he have to try to possibly expedite this? Is to just be like, hey, this sucks publicly rather than this sucks privately. And you can do that without being like a dickhead about it. 
which is go, goes to what you were saying, which is like he's blunt, but he's not an asshole. He's just blunt. And honestly, he might be an he might be being an asshole about it. I don't know. Like I said, I didn't listen to the fucking interview. Sure, I don't speak French. It keep, maybe he's being a gigantic asshole and he's really, really pissed about it. I don't know. All I know is this, is I don't, like, and I mean this very, very broadly, like, I don't care. I don't care, like, this is the Mad Men meme. I understand, if, if Evan is upset, that's fine. He is every, he can be as upset as he wants. That's fine. Guess what? That's what the money is for. That is what the money is for. You can be as upset as you want. You're getting paid $18 million a year. Deal with it. Like, that's there's no conversation that needs to be had. You don't need to, like, this is not a crisis. If, if he has not been traded by training camp, he will come back. He will be expected to do training camp things. And maybe at that point, Leon will have a conversation with him and be like, look, we get it. We wanted to trade you too. Guess what? Nothing worked out. You're still getting paid eighteen million dollars a year. Deal with it. We'll figure it out. It doesn't need to be. And he will deal with yeah, it. He's at, professional. Yeah, yeah it's not a serious right. like that. This this is not. This doesn't need to be some huge crisis. He made a comment in there, something about like his preparation changed. And there are people that are like, oh, so you started mailing it in. I don't think that's what he meant. I really think that like that was one for me. I was almost positive it got lost in translation. To me, it just sounded like it's different preparing to actually play versus preparing to not play and. Yes. And of course, if you know you're not going to play, then yeah, you're probably not going to be as locked in to prepare and stay ready as you might in other situations. That's natural. I don't really care. I'm not that upset about it because I too understand that Evan Fournier, the contract, is now worth much more to the Knicks than anything Evan Fournier, the player, will do. That's fine. I also do not want to hear a single fucking person talk about Wow, we could have used Evan situationally in the playoffs. Stop it. Get the fuck out of here. You know who we could have used situationally in the playoffs? Our starting shooting guard who our fucking coach nailed to the bench for most of the playoffs. Also, like, I don't want to use, like, there is almost no, if you want a shooter out <laughs> there. There is no situation. Yeah, if, you, if you want a shooter out there, put Grimes in. If you want a defender in there, definitely don't put Evan in. If you need to match up with size, don't put Evan in. If you need to match up with like speed on the perimeter, don't put Evan in. There's no situation where I wanted Evan in the game. I don't care about that. So the people that are killing Tibbs for like, oh, well, they didn't play him. Like, that's, no, okay. We're out. I'm not going to kill Tibbs for that because to me, the season turned when he was like, all right, I'm going to take the old men and Cam Reddish out of the rotation. That is when the season turned and he made the right call. I backed him at that time. I stand by everything I said. The proof is in the pudding. Look at the team was 10 and 13. And then they closed 37 and fucking, what, 22. That's great. That's a 50-win pace, 51-win pace, whatever the fuck it is. It was very, very good. They were a very good basketball team after that point in time, and everybody should be happy about it. But, but what I will say is this. I don't, this is the coach that they have right now, okay? And I am, fine with for as, as fine as I can be I'm fine with the things certain things that Tim's brings to the table I also understand that there are things he's not going to do we know this once you are out of the rotation when he really when he pulls you out of the rotation that's it like you're done he's not gonna 
He's not gonna. He is not one of these coaches who's gonna call you into his office and he's gonna make sure you're you're okay and hold your hand and talk to you about your kids and your wife. No, it's not gonna happen. He didn't do it for Derrick Rose. He's not gonna do it for Evan fucking Fournier. You know, and and I also think this is interesting. And I, well, let's we'll just keep it to this part anyway. Let, we'll we'll talk about the, my basketball observation after this. But he's done this every year, right? Austin Rivers was in the rotation, got pulled out. Fucking, you're done, kid. Get out of here. He was done. He once he was out of the rotation, he didn't play another second. I don't think Austin Rivers once he was out of the rotation. Kemba Walker, he got pulled, whatever it was, and. Yes, he got to play again because everybody on the team got COVID, but he was basically done once he was out of the rotation. And this year, it was three guys. And all three of them got dealt the same hand. And if anything, Fournier and Rose got a little bit extra, you know, they they got to play a little bit when we had a bunch of dudes out with injury and whatever the fuck. So they got played a little bit, but they were basically out of the rotation at that point. The, the strength of, of this thing that Tibbs does, right, is... Your nine guys in that rotation, if they're good, your team is going to kick ass. And you're going to form good, you know, on-court chemistry, bonds, whatever you want to call it. There's value to that. I also think there is value, and obviously it allowed us a chance to give Deuce McBride serious minutes in the rotation for an extended period of time. There's value to those things. The downside is stuff like this, where guys that are not in the mix are not happy they and and in the case of like, look, we're, I'm not gonna say we're super fortunate about Fournier and Rose, but they were pros about it. Okay, Cam Reddish, I know that he didn't really say anything. Uh, let's just say I I suspect that their demeanor about the same thing that was happening to them was a bit different uh, than it was for Cam. All this is to say that we don't need to kill Tibbs for benching Evan. But it's okay to acknowledge that this is just a very weird thing that Tibbs does, that once he pulls you from the rotation, he doesn't really explain it in any way. Maybe he doesn't feel he owes it. Maybe he doesn't owe it. I don't know. But Maybe he th- depends on other people right. to do it. And, yeah. I, it you know, it's very good. But we know that multiple guys have talked to us. It is what it is. So um, if you're mad at Evan Fournier about this, that's fine. I don't really care. I'm not that pissed about it. I get it. I also don't give a fuck. Like I've, we're Knicks fans that have. I went through. I've been through way too much shit for this to like. This is nothing, dude. This is like. This was this like is a, literally just like a blip on the. Th- this like was, you, that meme where it's like, oh no. Anyway, <laughs> this is like a. This was like a Monday morning when we had Marbury and Larry Brown here. You know, this is like nothing. This is really. Cool. It happened. He said what he needed to say, and now we move on with our lives. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to add. It's like I said in the beginning. There's literally no men's basketball going on right now, unless you're watching, uh, like college hoops, inter squad scrimmages or whatever. <laughs> so, just it's fine. No matter what happens regarding Evan Fournier, he's fine. He's going to average like 30 a game FIBA and then go back to being aging Evan Fournier. So I encourage, if you're really concerned about this situation, oh my God, I just realized, you know what's going to fucking happen? (laughs) He's going to go off of FIBA and then 
and people are going to be like, why did he play him against the Heat? <laughs> it's just going to happen. Yeah, and I'm going to be like, you're an idiot. Like, that's that's why I didn't play him against the Heat. It just, I, I'm sorry, man. I just can't care about this stuff. Um, is it great? No. It, it just is. It just is. Um, and, yeah, I'm not that pressed about it. Um, I did want to mention this, though. Because I I did find this interesting when I was kind of thinking about this topic. Okay, so the Knicks traded for Derrick Rose in 2020-2021. They were 11-14. That's when Austin Rivers got pulled from the rotation. Whatever, they finished season 41-31. and 31. They So they went, what, 30? They traded for him that early in the season? Yep. At 11-14? and 14? Mm-hmm. And It felt longer. Yeah, so they went 30-17 and 17 after that. Uh, last year, he pulled Kemba Walker from the rotation after 19 games. The Knicks were ten and nine at that point. Um, it did not have the desired effect, uh, but <laughs> that's just it is what it is. And then finally, uh, the Knicks last year, like I said, ten and thirteen, make their rotation changes. Uh, I find it interesting. I find this very very. Who's going to be next year's goat sacrifice? Is what you're asking. I just find this interesting. I know. I like. I mean, that is. It, is, it is. It is. It is. I, totally. Because like we we I'm we all we're all guilty of this. I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. We're like, well, when Tibbs once Tibbs decides something, like you know, you come into the season and that's what it is. I actually think it's like different. Like I actually so I've I've come around on this. I don't like. I think yes, he comes into a season with like this is what we're gonna do, but he gives that like. 20 to 25 games and then he's just like he just makes these really drastic calls that it's just like okay you suck you suck and you suck get the fuck off the team but not really but like basically you're off the team at this point uh i'm just i'm very fascinated by this and i actually i i I haven't gone back and looked through all the chicago teams but i remember before when we hired tibbs i was looking at chicago teams and they also had this habit of like starting slow and then they would go on these like after like the first 20 25 games they'd really get on a roll so i wonder if he was doing something similar there now uh if like he would use the first 20 games to kind of go with what he thought would work and then based on that would be like okay you two three guys whatever you're done you two three guys come and play more basketball now i'm pretty confident saying he's you know we know he's not a tinkerer and any decision he makes outside of the playoffs is like, I need to see 9,000 game sample size, even though like, you know, we know he has the stack guys both on the team. The Knicks employ a billion of them. He brought some with him from previous gigs. He has guys who travel with him, report to him separately from the home base analytics people. So like he gets this information. He's just clearly his jam is like, I need, I'm not going to rush to change, you know, the game plans that he develops, you know, whether it's him or in conjunction with the front office or whatever, he's not going to change that stuff on a whim unless it's like injuries or playoff desperation or something like that. So I, I definitely think it's, it's like a personality thing. And, you know, we, we, we complain about it often and there are, not so much these days, but there are coaches who are the opposite end of the spectrum who are just like, I'm going to fucking remember when Larry Brown used like oh 60 starting lineups in one season. I think it was 64, actually, that was which insane. was like a Knicks record. The guy was starting. the other end of Yo, the spectrum. That was crazy. He was starting. He literally said he was like, oh, yeah, we started like, I, forgot, I think it was Nate or Jamal Carr, probably both of them. 
He's like, oh yeah, you know, we're playing in Seattle. It's like their hometown. So I'm like, really? That's what we're doing now? We're just starting? Guys? Gen Z listeners, I want to repeat this for you. During the dark ages, when you were but a wee lad or lass or just young person, <laughs> Knicks coach Larry Brown had 64 starting lineups in 82 games. So we complain about Tibbs as much as the next person, but just we've we seen some shit, all right? That guy. That's just what I want to convey here. That guy was just fucking worst, man. Ugh. He's probably – this is the last Larry Brown thing I'll say. He's probably – that was probably the – most I've ever been annoyed with the Knicks coach was Larry Brown. He, he was, was saying some shit. He, I, he was of all of them. He was actually. This is the thing. He was trying to. He was trying to get fired. That's what people don't realize. He was. He was trying to get fired because he was just like, oh, I got my money. Like I guess if I just get fired, now I'd get it. Like they Dolan tried to sue him for the money. It was a whole fucking disaster. Um, we don't. We, we really don't need to leave, relive the. I don't. Can't even call it an era. He coached like shorter than. He had a shorter tenure in New York than fucking Fisdale did. You know how insane that is? Like, do, we, do you understand how insane that is to have a shorter tenure than David Fisdale? And you're Larry Brown, a Hall of Fame coach? That's nuts. Um, yeah, no, I, I just, I don't think that'll happen this year just because I don't know who would all of a sudden suck so much in the rotation that he'd be able to pull somebody. Um, but, I, I mean, look, maybe, maybe this is the year he's just finally like, yeah, so I guess this R.J. Randall thing isn't working out too well. <laughs> Maybe I'll stack their minutes more at least or something. Uh, that, look, if we get real staggering, I'll fucking throw parties. <laughs> I'll come up to New York and just shots on me. That'll be... I'm genuinely, I genuinely am looking forward to, like, assuming we basically run it back, to seeing what adjustments the front office and tips make because this really is the time when like it is an off-season thing like i know we've had probably less turnover than prior tips seasons but even with that like i don't know like this could it could be literally it could be small tweaks it could be big tweaks i have no fucking idea like um that's probably the thing i'm just excited about it's not nathan knight nathan knight signing a two-way contract with the knicks the stretch for we've been missing. I kind of like. I mean, look, good I, for Nate. Good yeah. for Nate. I'm gonna a- say that. Any anybody that is trying to like anybody that's not a Wolves fan that is trying to give you real like deep thoughts on Nate tonight, you better. You just read his basketball reference page. Yeah. Like also, just quiet. you call them a fraud <laughs> and you run away. Um, I will say I have two thoughts on Nate tonight. One, he played well against us during the 2021-22 season when. Like the entire Wolves roster had COVID. Um, Your memory for random shit like that is fucking insane, dude. Yeah, I know. I literally like you could have told me he just arrived from like Mars yesterday, and I would have been like, "Hey, cool." Like, nice. I, I have no about- memory of him before this Knicks headline. <laughs> wonder how the wonder how the trip was. Um, <laughs> that's it. That that was about it. And I don't know. I've like I've like caught glimpses of him. He seems like he's got some skills, but. I mean, you're getting him on a two-way. He's 25 years old. I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not expecting much from him here. Uh, I'll if, tell you what I expect from him: spread the floor for my son, Jalen Martin, in Westchester. That's all I ask. Yeah, 3.6 three-point attempts per 100 possessions uh, last season. 3.9. About to get that up. Look, he he's played 837 minutes over the last three years in the NBA. Uh, if there is an interesting sign to me. 
Like, just, again, this is not, like, a scouting report. So please do not take it as that. Uh, if there is an interesting sign to me, it's that he has gradually, like, it was 49.9 true shooting his first 279 minutes in his first season. And then it was 60.3 true shooting in his next 267 minutes in his second year. And then last year, in 291 minutes, it was 65.5 true shooting. So I just wonder if maybe this is a guy who, like, I don't think, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this is some kind of upside play, but I do wonder if this is a guy that are like, yeah, four or five skills, maybe he just hasn't gotten a, a good enough sh- shot in Minnesota because... He's good enough yeah. that the Timberwolves made a Nate Knight best of 22-23 compilation on YouTube that yeah. I just pulled up. They did. I watched it earlier today. Um, I wonder if we do that for like the end of bench, guys. No, no, we don't. No, we don't. Uh, but Ryan Arcadiano, <laughs> best of twenty two, twenty three. Archie Diacono, that was awful. I'm not that we're gonna have to delete that pronunciation. Archie, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I again, I'm not telling you to expect much from it here. I just found that interesting. Uh, he does like if you just watch the YouTube stuff. There is some intriguing stuff there, you know, just like ability-wise. But, again, he's coming in to be a depth piece. If he does get serious minutes, something has seriously gone wrong. Um, But hopefully he gets, you know, if he does get a chance, he'll be good. I'm interested to see if uh, there's any risk at all for young Jericho, maybe through if this season goes on. No more four minutes for him? I'd be interested. I'm interested to, to see, you know, because all it takes is one center injury, right? Then all of a sudden you got to really go through it. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I am intrigued. Um, aside from that, not I don't think anything really happened next wise. Oh, I guess we can talk about the RJ Barrett stuff. Or not the RJ Barrett stuff, but the stuff in the Cats piece today. Uh, one note being noted uh, that the Knicks did have conversations with Zach or with Chicago about Zach Levine and their asking price was gigantic, so the Knicks obviously did not pull the trigger on that. And also that the Knicks apparently do not have interest in one Carl Anthony Towns, which warms my heart um, to no end, my cold, cold heart. Uh, I don't know. I think we had kind of pieced that both those things together, at least pieced together that the Knicks could not come to uh, meet the asking price that Chicago had for Zach Levine, and I never thought that they had much interest in Cat. Yeah, the we're in the season of news where you're getting a lot of confirmation of things that we either that were either pre- previously implied or that we just generally suspected, right? Like people with Cat, for example, like we know. Cat has played with Tibbs before, right? We know Cat's gonna we know the Knicks are not are not trigger happy in terms of paying a star a shit ton of money or giving up a shit ton of assets for a star, right? Thanks to Donnie and now thanks to this Paul George stuff. We heard that the obstacle for PG wasn't really PG, but the extension that would come afterwards, right? And I mean with Cat you know, he's not a better player than Donovan Mitchell and he gets paid as much as anybody. So using the Donnie and um, PG examples, you can pretty safely assume they wouldn't go for someone like Kat. And now we just got confirmation of that. So definitely not surprising. Um, The Levine stuff, 
we kind of suspected as well. We know they've been shopping him. We know the Knicks were probably one of the few teams where the convert where they may have been actively interested in it. Zach Levine, but we know the market's not big because there was no rumors about like any team trading for him. So again, confirmation of what we either suspected or knew. Yay, great, I guess, right? The Knicks remain they are who we thought they were, right? They're not gonna overpay for OG or Zach or Cat or even Donovan Mitchell. So like what Ooh. else is new? <laughs> I, I just, I'm sorry, I, I will get back to this, but Nathan Knight, his full name, Nathan Solomon Kapuhululu? Kapuhulula. Kapa, Kapuhulula Knight. Also, he's from Syracuse. He's from Syracuse? He's from Syracuse. Oh, good for him. Oh, yeah, look at that. William and Mary, Syracuse. Look at that. This is the hard-hitting analysis you get in, Papa in July. We got to go deep. Hold on now. Oh, he's this first search result when you when you Google that name. <laughs> and like the first 12, apparently. Yeah, I'm assuming there's not a lot of Kapo Lula. I'm just trying to find out more information here. Uh, I did actually want to... Traditional Chinese. There you go. Nice. Uh, I did want to mention this. Um, this was a main thing in uh, this is in Fred Katz's piece again today from The Athletic uh, I'm just going to read this all off the Knicks have all of their own first round picks to trade they own four protected ones from the, from other teams blah 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 none of those selections can top out as elite but they are worth something they have enticing young talent such as Barrett Quickly and, and Quentin Grimes the Knicks could put together a trade package that includes up to four unprotected first rounders up to three first round swaps and another four picks from other teams as well as a young up-and-comer or two evan fournier provides an expiring salary too other teams could hypothetically top new york's offer the brooklyn nets for example could trade up to six unprotected first round picks but with a star whose priority is to win a championship before being the man on a restructuring squad or the final piece of a hopeful contender uh i wanted to touch on this because i got into an argument with a friend of the pod Long line listener of the pod, uh, Orange and Blue, Mike Blue on Twitter, uh, about Joel Embiid. And all my point was this was my point Joel Embiid's a very good player. As much as I like shitting on him and calling him fat, he's actually a good basketball player. Um, there is a price you should trade for Joel Embiid. Whatever my concerns they are, at a certain price, you should trade for Joel Embiid. That price can vary. All I can say for sure is a trade like that, where the Knicks are giving up all their picks, all the swaps, a bunch of protected first they get from other teams, and a couple of young guys. That is an insane trade to me. I'm not doing that. I'm never doing that. That's bananas. I'm, and like, I've just heard too many people talk about it and and say like, well, what this is what you're saving up for is to go get a guy like Joel Embiid. And and sure, that is fine. Let's say that's true. Sure. But I, I'm not doing it if it's like, yeah, no, it's everything. It's literally everything that you have of worth. And then you have no... And then it, then you just have to you know, live on the minimum scrappy pile and you have to do like some real Lehman Brothers type of uh, 
trading of lesser swaps for shitty second round pick type of stuff that the Suns are engaging in right now. I'm just not going to do that for Joel Embiid. And quite frankly, I might not do that for any player. Thinking about like literally that, like if, if, if there's a list of players I would do that for, it is Nikola Jokic and is Giannis. And that's about it right now in this league. Um, but my point is, like, my point was only that Joel Embiid's a really good player. If the price to get him is just give us everything, I'm not going to do that for him. And I don't think that's a crazy take. I don't think that's insane. I actually think that's pretty normal. Um, I know that there are people like, well, if you're not going to do it for him, who are you going to do it for? I don't know. I'm, I don't really like doing that for anybody. I didn't want to do it for Donovan Mitchell either. You know, I might be a fucking coward, but I'm consistent. I'm a consistent coward, like the cowardly lion. Um, I don't know. I, I just thought I just thought that was an interesting little, you know, tidbit at the end there in Katz's column, and and I and I I thought it was interesting because I heard your own your own Weitzman on uh, Locked On Knicks, and he was kind of thinking like you know what what's the point like you know you you have all this stuff to trade for a guy like Joel Embiid that's the whole point, and I'm like I, this kind of is like what. I think a lot of Knicks fans are struggling with this is like, well, what's the point of this team? Like, when are we going to trade for a guy? And it's like, I don't know. They struggle with the, I'll tell you what it is. In my opinion, they struggle. And like people, the people who follow both you and me on Twitter know that like my threshold for trading for Joel is probably, is different than yours, right? Like there's situations I would probably do it that you wouldn't. Yeah. But that being said, my limit is the fucking Mavericks protected pick. That's it. That's all you're getting out of me. <laughs> Bag of New York dicks. That's about it. <laughs> and fucking, <laughs> you can have Evan Fournier's expiring contract. Exactly. <laughs> You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.